This is WGRE 91.5 FM, Greencastle, Indiana. Good evening and welcome to Music for Life, music from DePauw. In this, our first episode of the 2015-16 academic year, we hear from students Lisa Salazar and Maureen Bailey about their summer internships. Orchestra director Orsineth Smith stops in to tell us what the orchestra's up to this semester. We present a few of the many wonderful performances from this year's Greencastle Summer Music Festival, and our new Associate Director of Music Admission, Tony Robinson, and Director of the 21st Century Musician Initiative, Mark Rabideau, each come by to introduce themselves. There are lots of exciting things going on in the DePaul School of Music, and we're glad you could join us for Music for Life. We're thrilled to welcome our new Associate Director of Music Admission, Tony Robinson. Welcome. Thank you. It's always great when we can find an admission person who's also a musician. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your musical background? Sure. Um, I actually started off playing the trumpet in fourth grade. Um, I'm a recovering trumpet player myself. (laughs) Trumpet players of the world unite, or former trumpet players of the world. Yes. So I did that for about a year or two, and then quickly realized it probably wasn't the best instrument for me. (laughs) But that was my foundation. Um, I then started playing viola, Mm. and I simply picked that one because the teacher told me my twin played violin. She didn't want me to play violin. Well, there you go. (laughs) So um, started in middle school uh, with uh, viola and took off and loved it. Ended up going to the University of Louisville and decided to do a Bachelor of Arts in Music Mm -hmm. um, and do a minor in political science with the idea of doing entertainment law after. And then your career took a shift toward the legal profession. It did. It did. I went to law school and learned a lot about intellectual property law, uh, copyrights, trademarks, things like that. And then once I got into law school, found out about the wonderful world of arts administration. So I actually was one of the people that um, used their law degree in an atypical way. Mm -hmm. So I actually worked in arts administration using those skills that I had developed. And you did some work with some orchestras. I did. Mm -hmm. I started out working with uh, production education at the Fort Wayne Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to the Louisville Orchestra, where I started as the operations manager and then worked my way up to the director of operations. Wow. And then back into higher ed. Back into higher ed. Yes, just through some connections and working in the arts in Louisville. actually started working at the University of Louisville, where I received my undergraduate degree um, in the School of Music as their admission counselor. So that kind of bridged the gap and brought things full circle. So what brought you to DePaul? Well, most recently I was working in law admissions, um, so I had been kind of itching and dying to get back into music. So when this position came open, it actually seemed like a really good fit. And it has been. It has been. Yeah, you've been really busy. So tell us the kinds of things you'll be doing this year. Um, This year, not only will I be doing some school visits and college fairs, but I'm working closely with the faculty to help them with their recruiting ideas and implementing those. Also working on um, revising some of the marketing plans and communication plans. Great. And you're going to be doing a lot of travel. Yes, a lot of travel. (laughs) And then we get to the crazy end of the year where we're trying to bring our class in, bring them all together, get through all the auditions. I mean, it's a hectic, hectic world in music. It's constantly something, yes. Well, we're glad you're (laughs) part of the team, and welcome to DePaul. Thank you so much. Great to have you here. All right. From the August 5th concert of the Greencastle Summer Music Festival, Tim Grimm and friends perform Grimm's song, Better Days. Barber Jim had a band 
Hello, music lovers. This is Hannah Goth here with the events calendar for the week of Monday, August 30th. This is our first show of the 15-16 school year, and we are so delighted to have you with us. The first event is Wednesday, September 2nd, and it's going to be at 10.20 at recital hour. Stasia Siena is going to be talking about Alexander Technique, a technique that is important for singers and instrumentalists alike, so make sure you catch recital hour on September 2nd. At 7 p.m. this evening, for one of the first events of the Transformation of Art Interdisciplinary Festival, there will be a showing of the film Little Women at Ashley Square Cinema. On Friday, September 5th, Doozer Do will be bringing Love's Labor's Lost to the Theta Gardens at 7 p.m., so make sure you get there for free food and great Shakespeare. That's it for the week of August 30th. Thank you so much. Have a great school year. From the August 19th concert of the Greencastle Summer Music Festival, pianist John Camphonas performs Aram Kachaturian's Toccata in E-flat minor.
So a long-standing tradition in public school is to come back from the summer and tell your teacher what you did with your summer vacation. But that's nowhere more impressive than it is here at DePauw, and we will dedicate a good portion of the show to chatting with students as they tell us about their exciting summer events. And here to chat with me about her summer is senior violist Lisa Salazar. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So you had a pretty exciting summer. Yes, this summer I was the marketing and PR intern for the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. For the Chicago Symphony? Nothing like starting at the top, is there? I mean, you yeah. know, you could have worked for the East Cupcake Orchestra or something, but no, you went straight to the Chicago Symphony. Yeah, well, I'm from Downers Grove, which is a suburb a half hour outside mm-hmm. of the city, and so I've grown up listening to them. And as well, I was also a member of the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra growing up, so I have a long-standing attachment to the orchestra. Great. And so how did this come about? Well, I was looking for internships, and I'm interested in music as well as business and want to perhaps pursue an arts administration career. And so I looked for internships everywhere, applied to everything, and applied to both the marketing and PR internships with the symphony. And I got called back for both of them. I had an interview over Skype for marketing and (laughs) an interview over the phone for PR, And the departments didn't know that they both interviewed me. So when they both hired me, they said, all right, well, why don't you work for both departments? And so I ended up getting two internships with them. Wow, that's Mm -hmm. terrific. And so when did this start and end? Gosh, I do not remember the exact dates, but I worked for about 11 weeks or so. Wow, good. And so what kind of things did you do? Well, on the marketing side of things, there were two major projects, the student ticket campaign, which was our largest project, and the Christmas in July promotions. The student ticket campaign is something that the CSO has done for a long time. It's um, reduced prices for students. So uh, my job, along with the other marketing intern, was to come up with new ways to reach students, to promote to students, and manage a budget of $8,000 for this promotional event. Was it successful? Yes. We will not know exactly how much our efforts have impacted ticket sales until the end of the um, subscription year, but we're keeping in contact with them, so we'll be able to have direct numbers when we're um, applying to jobs to show how successful we were with this effort. So we did a lot of things that they had never done before. The CSO has really large front of house posters, and they don't usually do those for the student ticket campaign. So we asked if we could do one and have it up for the entire year. So that was one of the things we did, one of the smaller things. We um, reached out to all of the student newspapers in um, big Chicago schools with bigger readerships. Mm. So will this lead anywhere for you? Yes. of course, having such a wonderful orchestra on my resume is going to be a yeah, huge that won't help. hurt at all. <laughs> yeah, um, and I've made wonderful connections with all the people I worked with this summer. Um, and you think this kind of experience is something that might influence your ultimate career choice? Yes, this was my first official exposure to marketing and PR, and mm-hmm. it was uh, very exciting. Both um, paths that I am going to consider probably will work for a few years, and then try and pursue my MBA on the side of working. And then um, somewhere down the line, you know, love to have my career in arts administration. Well, that's great. What a way to get it started. Mm -hmm. And thanks for coming in to chat about it. Yes. Well, thank you. From the Student Recital Hour of August 26th, 2015, soprano Julie Strauser, baritone Yazid Pierce Gray, and pianist Miranda Hobson perform Dunque Io Son from Rossini's Barber of Seville. Dunque Io Son, tu non mingai. 
saga of what I did on my summer vacation. Mo Bailey, senior horn and voice and I don't know, what is your major? Horn performance with a business emphasis. That, yes, (laughs) is joining me to tell us what she's been up to this summer. Now you got to go to a really cool part of the country. True. Uh, I spent my summer at the Santa Fe Opera in New Mexico uh, working in the development office as the annual fund and stewardship intern. 
And how long were you there? I started there end of May and got back right before school started. Yeah, so literally ended the day before. Last week. Yeah. So wow, pretty quick turnaround. <laughs> so tell us how you got there. How'd that happen? Surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, <laughs> a DePaul connection got me the job. Ah. Carly Tubbleman, who was a student here a couple years ago, she had the internship last summer and emailed me a little bit last minute saying they needed somebody and I applied and got the position. That's amazing. And, and there's another DePaul alum mm-hmm. from the School of Music yep. that's also working there on a regular basis, right? Mm-hmm. Emma Shearer got the job right out of college there and works for the general director and has a wonderful position there. And this is very common that a DePaul student goes out, wows everybody, and then they say, well, let's just keep hiring <laughs> DePaul students. And so you got this opportunity this year and now they'll be hiring somebody because you did a great job. But tell I us sure what you did. So. <laughs> Essentially my job, which I found to be actually very important and in, in that I feel was good, uh, it's taking care of the donors and making sure they're very happy. Uh, So there's the aspect of making the ask and acquiring the money and actually getting that secured. But my job was making sure that once that happened, we we retained our donors and, and they're really happy. So I did a lot of event planning. I think I planned 10 different events, four dinners and six lunches. Um, and it was all about coordinating those. And then also I was in completely in charge of all of the benefits. So the benefit packets that went out to the donors, I got to design those materials and help edit them. And then all of those letters went out, which is over a thousand. And then I was the one who took all of the responses and was pretty much the communicating individual to those donors. So, so. you were on the stewardship side Indeed. of the development mm-hmm. funnel, as it were. Which I really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, you'd be great at that. I can see why they had you do that. And as a little side perk, there was an opera going on at the same time, right? Yeah, you know, a couple. Yeah. <laughs> so had, tell us about that. We had five operas. So the season operates with five operas that rotate. So every night is a different show. They turn over the sets and completely switch them each night. The one that was really huge this year was the uh, world premiere of Cold Mountain. So being a part of that and getting to experience a world premiere in, in the first place was really cool. Uh, it's Jennifer Higdon's piece, and it was just really, really quite a cool experience. So to be was a part Jennifer of that. Higdon there for the entire summer, almost for the entire time. That's yeah, amazing. workshopping it and all that. It's absolutely phenomenal opportunity. To, did yeah. you get to meet Jennifer? I did. Ah. She came to because we actually have artists at all of our dinners. So I was also communicating with the artist to get them to come to each of our dinners and. I think that's huge, and I mean, I'm planning on pursuing a performing career, so having the background in administration really gives you a different outlook on it how sure important it is, and communicating with those artists, you know, they have to come to these things because their communication with the donors, I mean, that's where their income is coming right. from, that's Absolutely. where the success of the company ultimately derives. So, so true. And you know, it's interesting, to show you how popular Jennifer Higdon is, we've been working with her for years to get her to be our Music of the 21st Century composer, and she is in 2019. Wow. Good for us. (laughs) Yeah, but you have to get her four years, six, but when we booked her five years in advance to get her here. Yeah, yeah, remarkable. So did you like Cold Mountain? I loved Cold Mountain. It was, I liked it because most of the operas I've ever seen, which is quite a few, are very aria-based and and you hear these melodic parts that you run home singing. Um, And this opera was very different. It was almost entirely recitative aside from a bunch of beautiful choral numbers that I think really were the stars of the show. Mm -hmm. So it was very interesting, a kind of different take on opera, and it really was dialogue the whole time. It was all about these characters and building the characters and not necessarily stopping and singing and... You know, turning to the audience, but really building a story. And you know, I, I, I read the cool. book. I loved the book. I saw the movie. I hated the movie. So I'm hoping the opera brings me back into the fold. <laughs> I, I have yet will. to see it. I'm jealous that you have. So <laughs> what else did they produce? They did La Finta Giardiniera, which ah. for me was interesting after having been here for it. Right. Uh, we did Zalame ah. by Strauss, which was 
wonderful. Man, that's a great. That's a tough piece. Yeah, and they did this very interesting Freudian take on it. So it wasn't mm. the typical production. It wasn't in biblical times. It was set in Strauss's living period. And uh. so that was really interesting. Uh, we did The Daughter of the Regiment uh. and all of the dialogue was spoken in English. So that uh, was really accessible that? and great. quite cool. Uh, and then we did Rigoletto, uh. which I love. So that yeah, was a great season. Well, you picked the right season. season to be there, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Well, it sounds like you had a great time and a great summer. Yeah. And I know you made us look great. So we'll have more people <laughs> that work there as it goes on. I hope so. And thanks for coming in to tell me about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you. From the July 22nd concert of the Greencastle Summer Music Festival, cellist Eric Edberg and pianist Fernando Otero perform Otero's piece, From Now On.
Each year we kick off the season by talking about upcoming performances by our own university ensembles. And here to chat with me about what the orchestra has in store is our orchestral conductor, Orchestra Guy. And as he's now become known, Orsina Smith, welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> we had such a tremendous year last year with the Dvorak Festival and the Chamber Symphony Tour to Germany and Austria playing in the Mozarteum and in the Musikverein in Vienna, the Brahmsaal. What could we do differently this year or also uh, to also consider the pedagogy and the benefit of uh, what the students might be able to get? And with the launch of the 21CM uh, curriculum, we took a look at a couple of things that are going on in the current environment in the large ensemble setting. And one is the conductorless orchestra. I've decided that on the first program, the overture to Die Entführung aus dem Serail, the abduction from the Serailio of Mozart, would be done without conductor. Really? Wow. So that's paired up with a very different piece, the Shostakovich Symphony Number no. 5, uh, which the students are already preparing very well and is a huge uh, emotional work and has an important place in symphonic repertoire. For is that on the very first reasons. concert? Mm -hmm. Shostakovich 5. Wow. So then the second concert is a part of ArtsFest, Art and Transformation. Um, I've chosen a minimalist work by uh, Michael Torkey called Javelin. It was written for the Olympics in Atlanta and uh, as a part of Transformation. Um, getting to the main themes, how the piece is constructed, I think will be mm -hmm. fascinating for the students as well as uh, it's a very exciting work for the audience. Uh, that's paired with Death and Transfiguration of Richard Strauss, which, wow. of course, meets some of the need of art and transformation. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> okay. uh, and then uh, the third concert on November the 23rd, which is a Monday night, our main focus is, uh, once again, toward a 21C element, Mothership by Mason Bates. And uh, some of us are familiar with the work Mason Bates uh, was a composer in residence with the Chicago Symphony, and he went to Michael Tilson Thomas, who music director of San Francisco and also the New World Symphony in Miami, and said, uh, w w you'd like for me to write something, yes? And Michael said, yes, we need a new kind of work. So this boy, did he get it. Right, this, <laughs> this work has a, a synthesized elements in it. Also, it has a visual element that can be added. So the YouTube Symphony... Uh, 2012, I believe, rendering at the Sydney Opera House performance conducted by Michael Tilson Thomas is an amazing web link that we're using to serve as inspiration for our own students to not only play the music and prepare it and get a student to be involved in the mechanical part of the synthesized sound to actually execute it, but also to see if those students who might be interested would create some videography to go over the musical performance wow. to be seen. Wow. So that's the start of the season, how this is different from last year. Of course, we're bringing different attention to different things, but uh, the orchestra is uh, very strong this year and need to be challenged technically and also to meet the needs of the new curriculum. Boy, these are some massive and innovative work. So we're going from unconducted overtures through Shostakovich 5, which is going to be fantastic, and then all the way up to Mason Bates. And if you've never seen anything by Mason Bates, if you can only see one thing, come see this performance by Mason Bates. So the orchestra will be performing on Palooza first. Oh, is, is that first or is that second? And, no, that's actually first, first and okay. the programming on that is some of it's a secret 
but I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> so so we'll, the, we'll let this out that if we'll send an email out that if people listen to this particular broadcast, they'll find out what's on that concert. So um, I had this idea that we might actually get an inflatable dinosaur and put it on top of the Performing Arts Center. Kind of um, like the Children's Museum. In right, Indy. exactly, yeah. because we're playing music. The orchestra's last in the sequence of things. We're going to be playing music from Jurassic Park to reference Jurassic World, there which was go. such a big hit this summer, the biggest hit ever. Then at the end of the program, somebody I'm married to suggested that I would be a perfect <laughs> Darth Vader and so we uh, actually will be performing this uh, f- main title from Star Wars at the very end of the performance. But in between, uh, I've written an arrangement of Uptown Funk <laughs> by, Bruno by, Mars. by Bruno Mars. And so, will you be dancing? Well, I want to see the James Brown moves. I've since it. we don't have a tuba player yet in the orchestra, I am going to don a sousaphone <laughs> and actually lay down Turn the initial the couple, of the couple of tracks. So unless, of course, Matt Champagne would like to oh, come there out you and go. do We've that. We've got it one way or the other. Um, so DePaul Palooza is always a lot of fun. Hopefully the, rain will, the weather will cooperate Absolutely. because if we have to do it inside, then the orchestra doesn't get to play. But that's DePaul Palooza. So we've got DePaul Palooza. Then we have Shostakovich 5. That's in late September. Uh, oh, so September 18th. 18th is Palooza, 20 is uh, first orchestra concert. And then we get to Arts Fest performance. Mm-hmm. November 1st. And then we wrap it up with Mason Bates in November... 23rd, Monday night. And then the Holiday Gala, the holiday always gala. favorite. Right. All right. And the music's already been chosen for that, too. So if you'd like to hear that, you can ask me on the next program. There you go. Always <laughs> great to have you on. Looking forward to a great season with the orchestra. And thanks for coming in to tell us about it. Thank you. From the Project Trio performance in Kresge Auditorium of August 23rd, bassist Peter Seymour, flutist Greg Patillo, and cellist Eric Stevenson play their piece, Slowberry Jam.
This year, we're thrilled to welcome a new member of the team, our director of the 21st Century Musician Initiative, Dr. Mark Rabideau. Welcome. Thank you very much. I feel very, very welcomed. You've uh, had an interesting career that led you to here. You've been at this kind of thing for quite some time. So why don't you work backwards? So you started at DePauw this summer, but you're coming to us from? Just prior to arriving to DePauw, I was the director of the undergraduate program in arts administration at the University of Kentucky. And it was an exciting position for certain. There are a lot of good initiatives going on. And it really falls at the intersection of the field of music, but also dance, theater, uh, visual arts, and beyond. And the kinds of skills that you have embarked upon here to provide for music students, helping them understand how they can grow audiences, connect to other entities that are really mm-hmm. making an impact on the arts. And so through that position, I did a number of things, including uh, launch an online program at the master's level that was focused around entrepreneurial skills uh, as well. I taught in the brick and mortar program on campus, uh, again, teaching arts entrepreneurship. And you came to Kentucky from Wyoming. I did. In Wyoming, actually, my position was much more traditional as it was uh, programmed out. I was the professor of trombone. I was co-chair of the jazz division. I taught improvisation, ran a big band, uh, you know, really enjoyed being in that space and really focusing on my roots as an artist and musician, first and foremost. But but even there, I was able to squeeze a few things in the cracks. We had hosted a, a major conference called Teaching Creativity, What the Academy Can Learn from artists, entrepreneurs, and inventors. And really, for me, that was kind of a regeneration of my passion and interest of leveraging the creative powers of the artist toward doing good in the world and, and making a difference in communities. And before Wyoming, you were in Pennsylvania. I was in Pennsylvania. And I was doing a number, number of things in Pennsylvania. I was the director of the Music Business and Technology program. Within that capacity, I was teaching arts administration classes again. Uh, but courses that were more focused on uh, the commercial side of music as well. And again, there was a very heavy emphasis on the entrepreneurial piece, but half of my position was a traditional, again, as a trombone professor and, and taught some general music classes. But even there, those kinds of intersections, you know, it's hard not to bring them all into one space. So even traditional classes of, you know, jazz to rock classes, initially teaching them in a very traditional format, I came to realize that students really want to engage in the act of art making. And and so a course like that, we eventually transformed it into a record label where students did an A&R search, identified a band, recorded, mixed, mastered, and launched a CD release for local artists. And these were ways that we were able to engage our students in, in really participating, even if they weren't musicians themselves, in what it takes to be out there in the music world today and to enjoy success. So we'll have you back in future weeks to keep us updated on all the exciting things happening with 21CM at DePauw, but maybe you can tell us what brought you here. Oh my gosh, what wouldn't bring me here? Really, I think more than anything else, I was very happy at Kentucky and, you know, life was good. I had actually just been asked to be the associate dean, which I was looking forward to those further challenges and opportunities. And then a friend just sent me a simple note, you should look at this, and it was the DePauw Uh, 21CM director job announcement. And somebody I respect very much in the field, uh, also a dean, somebody that's really been working hard at reimagining how we prepare musicians. And he he thought that this would be of interest to me based on our our past relationships and conversations. And 
And when I read it, I, I really asked myself a question. Is somebody really reimagining everything about how we prepare musicians to thrive in the 21st century? And I thought the answer could only be yes. And I read the job description and I said, well, somebody's hoping to at least. I better take a closer look. And point of fact, even through the interview process and meeting this remarkable faculty, it seems as though indeed we are asking those hard questions and acting upon them in, in really exciting ways. And so when I had an opportunity to come and visit here on campus and, and meet the folks who had launched this initiative, I realized that this is a place I have to say yes to if I'm lucky enough to be asked to come. Well, it's been great to have you here. And it's interesting because all of us have been headed toward this point for 25 years or more, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out what's the future of classical music in America and how do we better train musicians for that future. And it's great to have you on the ground here. This has been an exciting time at DePauw and even more exciting days ahead. And we're glad you're on board. Thanks for coming in to chat about it. Great to be with you. From the June 17th concert of the Greencastle Summer Music Festival, violinist Philip Palermo, violist Nicole Brockman, cellist Eric Edberg and pianist Claude Zimmerman perform the fourth movement, Allegro Molto, from the Quartet in C Minor, Opus 15, by Gabriel Faure.
We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Music for Life. We love hearing from listeners. You can contact us by emailing musicforlife at depaw.edu. We're also on Facebook at DePaul Music for Life, and you can subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching there for DePaul Music for Life. Our student producers are Hannah Gauthier and Matt Skiba. Veronica Pedrel is our online editor, and our show is produced by Matthew Champagne in the Judson and Joyce Green Center for the Performing Arts at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. I'm Mark McCoy, Dean of the School of Music. Thank you for listening to our show. Keep music in your life and have a great week. It's music for life.